Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. No Jameis Winston, no problem. Fitzmagic is back, and it's no illusion he made the deep ball reappear. The Bucks and Ryan Fitzpatrick tie a club record with 48 points in this 48-40 stunner over the New Orleans Saints. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for a career-high 417 yards, four touchdown passes, and runs for another score. Deshaun Jackson with two receptions for TDs, including a 58-yarder. He finishes with 146 yards. Mike Evans topped that with seven for 147 and a 50-yard touchdown bomb. Unbelievable day for Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're going to get all into that here in just a minute. And in college football, a huge win for South Florida, a huge loss for Florida, and a huge escape for Florida State. We've got all that, and the Rays win again, too, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstick. Before we get started on this podcast, I have a fantastic offer and exciting news from Continental Wholesale Diamonds that's going to make your jewelry selection experience Unforgettable, and this offer is only for our listeners. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is going to send you and that special person to the Caribbean for a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise on us with any minimum purchase of just $2,000. Now, you can also choose the cruise line and the destination to the Caribbean that you wish to explore. And with Andy offering you wholesale pricing and the quality you deserve with your jewelry selection, you know that you're receiving the very best when purchasing from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. So call Andy today at 813-282-7375. And remember, let Andy know that you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. I'm happy to announce that Fitzmagic is alive and well. Quite a start, huh? Who saw this coming, right? I mean, I think I saw that there were 150 network uh, network people and writers that were uh, given their picks, and all 150 had the Saints beating the Buccaneers. But Ryan Fitzpatrick did not listen to them. Well, the Bucs were um, the biggest underdog of the week in the NFL. Over 9.5 points, right? Mm-hmm. Something like 9.5, 10 points. Look, no one saw it coming, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was phenomenal. I mean, I just mentioned, you know, he, he's entering his 14th year, and he, and he throws for a career high on the road at New Orleans in, in the Dome, 417 yards, four TDs, runs for another score. That has and to be the best game of his career. I Well, he's thrown five before. He's thrown five touchdowns before. But, I mean, I mean, I, all, I mean but I what it meant. Did he have no interceptions? Did he have, you know, I mean, yeah, everything no, that goes well, I with think, it. I think so. I okay. think so. But, 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 look, no question it's the best game of his career. I mean, it is. And it, on it, the road where even, we know he doesn't, you know, doesn't well, beat many road teams, especially ones who – in the, First we, team, we think the yeah. Saints are going to have a winning record this year. That's right, and he's only done that once before. Where out of out of twenty three road victories in his career, he has exactly one. Um, you know, and he beat the Jets on a day when Mark Sanchez threw five interceptions uh, of a team that finished the season with a winning record. Now we're going to assume that that will be the Saints. We don't know. Although seeing their as, defense as, today, maybe not. You know, whoo, boy, were they bad. Um, but you know, again, it's uh, it was neat. Like like 
you know, this is why you should never gamble on football. I mean, NFL football anyway, because you really don't know what you think you might know. And on any given Sunday, as they say. Um, but, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, even though he's going in his fourth year, it was interesting. I talked to him after the game, and I said, you know, just what was your day like, you know? And he had huge, huge nerves. I mean, he, he you know, th- these are not – this is not common for him to start games, to start the season. This is an unusual circumstance. I mean, the elephant in the room is that Winston is gone. You know, and it and and I was talking to some uh, uh, to Jason Light before the game, and he said, you know, it just it just it's weird. It just feels different that he, you know, that that Jameis isn't here. It's like, you know, this has been his team for so long, um, and they were confident. I mean, the Bucks are confident in the, in the players they have. And you all, everybody saw the preseason. Everybody saw the weapons they had on offense, and those quarterbacks were very, very good. In part because they're surrounded by really good talent, and yet you just didn't know really what to expect. I mean, backup quarterbacks in this league are backups for a reason. And to think that you're going to go play a Hall of Famer on opening day with that crowd in that offense, um, you, you figured that it would be uh, a different outcome, but. Uh, Fitzpatrick woke and uh, and said that you know what he was nervous. Yeah, I, I slept well. I, I probably woke up at you know four thirty or five, staring at the ceiling a little bit, just just waiting. I mean, even you know after all these years, especially that first one, there's there's some excitement going on. Um, you know, and got to got to FaceTime my kids in the morning just to say hi. And uh, you know, I'm at a point now where especially my boys. I mean, they're old enough. To sit back and watch the games, and and they really kind of understand what's going on now, and uh, so this would be. I can't wait to get home. I'm most excited to get home just to go hang out with the kids. The most stunning thing I think, you know, watching this game, it started the way I expected it to, in a sense. Although, you know, we'll get into filleting the uh, Bucks defense here in just a minute. But at the end of the day, the Saints got the opening kickoff. Bucks won the toss deferred, and. They went down the field like they were on skates. I mean, it was seven plays in there in the end zone. Alvin Kamara, um, you know, takes a, a flat pass, you know, and, and takes it for about 36, 37 yards. He ends up running in from five yards out. It was easy, easy. And in that building, you know, to have that sort of ominous start is is exactly where you don't want to ever be. Um, and yet Fitzpatrick made the statement early. And, you know, first series, the answer came with just, you know, a 58-yard bomb to Deshaun Jackson. It was interesting because they put Jackson in the slot. I think it was Mike Evans was split to the right and had Godwin split out to his left. And the safety um, jumped all over Evans. You know, they had him in double coverage, and they lost uh, Deshaun Jackson in coverage. But even though they did, you know, this ball was in the air about 45, 50 yards, and – Fitzpatrick didn't, you know, didn't underthrow him, didn't over, gave him a chance. He gave him a chance to run under it and make a play. It was a beautifully thrown ball, and Jackson gets in the end zone and scores a touchdown. And that answer let everybody know, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick said after the game, that this was going to be a different Buccaneers team. It's confidence. I mean, everybody feeds off it. They feed off, you know, D-Jack making those long catches, and then Mike wants to get in on the action. You know, and then Chris does, and he just – everybody feeds off of that energy and – uh you know, I thought you could see that today. It was contagious out there. Well, Rick, if you remember last week, we talked about, look, if you're the Saints or anybody who's going to play the Bucks in the first three weeks when Ryan Fitzpatrick is their starting quarterback, that you want to crowd the line and force him to beat you deep because you don't think he can do it. Well, from the first drive on, and Fitzpatrick did it all day long. 
the amount of long, deep passes that they completed today to Deshaun Jackson, to Mike Evans, um, it was impressive and, and definitely what we weren't expecting. And the other part of it is we said last week that we thought the weakest part of this team is the offensive line. They were giving Fitzpatrick all the time in the world today. And, the, and, really and, 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 and Peyton Barber was doing well running the ball, too, which was opening up things, too. Yeah, he had the one breakout run, 23 yards. I mean, for the game, they didn't run the ball particularly well. I mean, if you just look at the average, it was like 3-3. It was effective, um, though. But it was, it was yeah, it, they did enough to uh, to keep, to, you know, to keep the pass rush honest. I mm-hmm. mean, they, they ran it when they wanted to run it, you know, which is the key. And they stayed, they stayed ahead of the sticks, but they really threw it uh, to set up the run more than the other way around. And they threw a lot on first down. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we did say, and I, and I, look, I'm, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong, 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 wrong. Uh, I did not think that Ryan Fitzpatrick had this sort of game in him. Um, and we just saw it. So obviously he did, but you know, the deep ball, like those are not high percentage throws to begin with. Right. And they require a, a decent amount of arm strength. And the thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick, you just said it had, had in his favor was he wasn't touched. I mean, he got roughed up a couple times. I think New Orleans got frustrated and realized he was knifing them and decided to just hit them late a few times because they were frustrated, um, but was not sacked one time. That offensive line, I mean, when you're facing Cam Jordan on one side and Alex Okafor on the other, that's a pretty formidable pass rush that they have, and they bring lots of pressure. They dial up pressure. They come from all angles. Uh, and the Bucks with the noise, I think they had maybe one false start penalty on DeMar Dotson. I mean, they handled everything beautifully, um, and you know they they gave Fitzpatrick time to step up and step into his throws. The other thing Ryan Fitzpatrick did, which is a big part of his game, if you've watched him play now, you know he's three and one as a starter with the Bucks, is that he can move his feet. He runs pretty well, but he knows when to run. You know, if he's got man coverage and the backs, the defensive backs are not facing him, uh, and and he has a chance to get outside the pocket. He will not risk a throw, and, and you know, he, he picked up 36 yards, but he had two plays in particular with his feet um, that made all the difference. The first one was his touchdown run. It was beautiful. They ran sort of an RPO down there with a, with a you know, a handoff, fake handoff play action to, uh, to Barber on the three-yard line, and he kind of booted out of it and then bowled his way into the end zone from three yards out. The other run uh, won the game. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, third and eleven. Look, the Saints had come back. They needed a touchdown and a two-point conversion, which they had just gotten. Um, there's, you know, a little over two minutes to go in the game. If the Bucks don't pick that up or they throw it and it's incomplete and the clock stops, uh, Drew Brees and company are absolutely, the way they were go- rolling, we're probably going to go down there and score again, and then it would be up to, to see if they could get the game into overtime. But uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he said this after the game, uh, that one of the biggest plays he made was the run for the first down. Yeah, that was a big play in the game because, you know, we don't get that or throw an incompletion and stop the clock. Uh, you know, they're going to get the ball back, and so we didn't want to give it to them. Uh, you know, we put five of our best guys out there with, with the matchups we liked, and, uh, you know, I just ended up going out of the pocket to the left and saw an opening and knew I could get the first down, so I took off. But that one was that one was pretty satisfying because, you know, that truly is like a walk-off. You know, you know at that point the game's over. Not only did he throw a touchdown to answer the first score by the Saints, but it was who he threw it to, Deshaun Jackson. And, and look, there was no bigger story really in some respects about the Bucks' failure than Deshaun Jackson. The guy comes here, signs a three-year, $33.5 million contract, um, you know, right from the start, 
is they're struggling to get the ball to him. They couldn't get the ball deep to him. They couldn't throw it to him underneath and let him run with it. He winds up with just 50 catches for three and with three touchdowns, and his, his yards per catch average dropped about four yards a catch. It was a miserable season, and you know he wound up being hurt the last two weeks, and then Chris Godwin came in and took off. But you know Deshaun Jackson, they've been raving about him in training camp. He's been making plays everywhere, but his attitude has been phenomenal. And we saw, you know, finally, finally on Sunday, what Deshaun Jackson can do for the explosion in your offense. And, you know, for him to have, you know, two deep balls for touchdowns, um, you know, is is what he's about. And so, you know, unfortunately for Deshaun, though, late in the game, he suffered a concussion. Uh, it looked like he is, he was out, looked like he was knocked out, asleep almost, uh, on the turf there for a while. And so they had to help him off. But when I saw him after the game, he had ice on his right shoulder, and he said his shoulder was messed up, and that might be a bigger concern than the concussion. Um, I don't. We'll find out you know, when they do the MRIs and things tomorrow. But he said he hurt it on the f- first touchdown, so he stayed in the game despite hurting his shoulder when he went in the end zone on the first ball. Um, you know, so maybe maybe he's okay, but uh, that thing's going to be awfully sore when he wakes up the next day. But that was by far his best game. And, you know, and then Mike Evans, um, you know, for all the the clash last year in New Orleans with Marshawn Lattimore, we know how that thing went down. You know, Evans was frustrated. He had just one catch for 13 yards. Lattimore became the NFL's uh, defensive rookie of the year and, and got all the praise and the accolades. And, you know, Mike Evans has been waiting to get even, and he got even. I mean, he, he – Marshawn uh, Lattimore had no chance of covering one-on-one. I mean, Mike was just a beast out there. And he had the seven catches and, and led the team in receiving and, and also got behind him in man coverage. It was too easy. And that's what happened time and time and time again. They left those guys because when you spread the field with the Bucks receivers that they have now, and when I say receivers, I'm going to include O.J. Howard in that mix or Cam Brayton in that mix. When you spread the field like that, you cannot double everybody. And Fitzpatrick was finding the right matchups and taking the right shots when guys were, you know, were able to uh, to get the man coverage. And, you know, what he said after the game that he was most proud of is that everybody got to touch the football. It wasn't just Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. It's fun. It's fun to be out there, you know, thinking you're going to score on every possession. Uh, and it, it had nothing to do with who we were going against. It was just the confidence we had coming into the game. And I just felt even early – you saw the ball was getting spread around. It wasn't one guy. It wasn't just the Mike Evans show out there, it, it, you know, or the Deshaun Jackson show. It was everybody. You know, Chris made some nice catches. Uh, OJ was involved with some catches. Adam did some great stuff. So um, that's fun when everybody's involved and getting it and we're putting up points like that. The other big storyline, and this has been brewing for really ever since the start of the preseason, is that we found out finally, finally on Sunday – that, in fact, offensive coordinator Todd Munkin is calling the plays and was going to call the plays. Now, you know, this has been a question I've written about, asked about, and for whatever reason, Dirk Cutter will not, and still to this moment, has not uttered the words, Tom, you know, Todd Munkin is calling the plays. He cannot find a way to say that. Uh, you know, and if you, you know, originally you thought maybe it's a competitive advantage situation, maybe he thinks that the Saints not knowing may somehow help. Uh, I, I d- didn't understand that to begin with. But Todd Munkin indeed did call the plays. And if you want to see 
the impact that he had and how the players felt about him, go to uh, the TampaBayBuccaneers.com uh, Twitter feed or just their Tampa Bay Buccaneers Twitter feed, and you'll see a, uh, a picture or a video, actually, of Donovan Smith coming off the field. And when he sees Todd Munkin, take a look at the reaction he has and, and the greeting he has for Todd Munkin. And you'll, you'll see that this isn't just a thing, right? This is something that is being celebrated by the players. Um, obviously, 48 points is a franchise record. They should have exceeded that, but Chandler Cananzaro missed a very makeable field goal at the end of the game. So, you know, for Munkin to have his first day uh, and, and hang a franchise-tying record 48 points on the board that should have broken the record, I don't know what to say about it other than this was genius, you know. And yet, after the game, you know, and this this has been going on for a couple weeks now, but after the game, Todd Munkin had this, or I'm sorry, Dirk Cutter had this very bizarre exchange with Tom Jones, who was merely asking one more time who was calling the plays. Who called the plays? You guys were there. You guys were at the game. What does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Who called the plays? Were you at the game? I was at the game. What do you want me to say? We ran the Bucks offense. It's not a story. You okay? Not I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just. You're, you're good at it. I'm not. I'm not trying to be difficult, Dirk. I, I think it's a question that people want to know. Report it then. I'm trying to. You can do your homework. So I don't know, Steve. I don't. I don't get that. I mean, there's there's obviously something there there that uh, you know that that Dirk doesn't want to really want to make a big issue of this. Um, but it's clear that it's clear that Munkin, you know, that this was the right decision, however it was made. Yeah, well, I think we saw, you know, all preseason, and granted, you're not scheming, you're not the defense isn't scheming for you either, so you know that can right. be a little deceiving. But you know, the quarterbacks all said that Munkin did a great job calling the plays in the preseason. They were comfortable with him, they liked him. Um, so he comes and, and does it, you know, for game one, and, and man, they came out blazing. I mean, at 48 yeah. points by what the end of the third quarter or something like that, or they yeah. may have scored late in the, uh, early in the fourth, but. Um, you know, the offense was on fire today. And, and from, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the offensive line or it's Fitzpatrick or it was the, the call, pl the, the play calling or the receivers, whatever it was, um, it all clicked. Everything clicked together. So, you know, what's, the, you know, okay, Munkin called the plays. Congratulations. Great job, man. Let's do it again next week. Yeah, exactly. And, and we know that, you know, anything like this, especially on offense, is collaborative, right? I mean, you know, they fixed the laminate play sheet during the week and you know they do the installs and, and then they go over it with Fitzpatrick about what do you like on third and six what do you like against this defense what mm -hmm. do you like in this situation and then they have an order right uh, of plays top to bottom what what they prefer uh, and then once that laminate is made you know they they vary from it at times they deviate occasionally but that's that's what their scouting tells them that, that this is what we should do in these situations um, and so you know the first 15 or so are scripted and um, you know, after that, it's it's situational football. Um, but it's, you know, George Warhop has a lot to do with the running game. Um, Skylar Fulton, the receivers coach, and, and Mike Vajakian, the quarterbacks coach, has a lot to do with the passing game. You know, Ben Steele, the tight ends coach, is involved. So, it, you know, and obviously it's Dirk's offense. I mean, this is what Dirk Cutter brought to the Buccaneers when he was hired as an offensive coordinator with Lovey Smith after Lovey's first year. So, 
we all know where the origin of the offense is. Um, but by gosh, if, if you know Todd Munkin didn't didn't they just had a hot day? I mean, they were hot. They were on fire. They could couldn't miss a throw, you know. And you know, so all of that is a is on all the coaches, including Dirk Cutter. Uh, but only one coach gets a record, right? And right now he's one and zero. And um, so I credit Dirk for giving it away uh, if if he thinks that was best for the team. Because I know I absolutely know how much he loves calling plays. That is his his thing, and that'd be like John Gruden giving it up, um, or you know um, guys that come into this league as offensive minds and 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 become head coaches. They like to continue calling plays. And some have given it up and then taken it back again, but it was it worked, you know. And they're one and zero, and that at the end of the day, that's that's really all that matters. Well, all along, you know, Dirk has said we're going to do what's best for the team, right? Well, it sure seems like what was best for the team today was Todd Munkin calling the plays. It did, and yet I don't I don't get all the acrimony necessarily. It just it just seemed it just seemed weird to me um, that this is still a struggle to get to get him to talk about it. But be that as it may, um, he did call the place. Now, it wasn't all – look, every, you know, every silver lining has its cloud, right? And the defense, I got to be honest with you, I didn't expect them to give up 40. I mean, Drew Brees was phenomenal, and they were having a match score for score. I mean, it was really kind of interesting game there for a while, watching Fitzpatrick and, uh, and Brees battle it out. Um, but – you know, they weren't playing – they didn't have Brent Grimes to start the game, and so they started the game with Carlton Davis, who got burned a few times, and then they came in with Ryan Smith, who, who you know, had more experience, and then they went to M.J. Stewart. And so, you know, and then Davis came back in the game. But those young corners, were they were stressed. You know, they, they had to step up. And let's face it, they've never played against a Hall of Fame quarterback that gets the ball out of his hands and is as accurate – as Breeze is. And so there was adjustment. I thought the second half seemed like they played a little better, but they still gave up some big scores. Uh, in this game, I'm telling you, man, if Fitzpatrick doesn't run for that first down, there's a good likelihood that Drew Breeze is going to take him down, score a touchdown, and get the two-point conversion and, and maybe send the game into overtime. And this could have been a cataclysmic loss. But, you know, Mike Smith, after the game, um, did not look happy, as you would expect. I mean, you don't want to see – your team have 40 hung on you. The most surprising thing, Steve, was probably the defensive line. Not only did they not really rush Breeze, they had one sack by Vinny Curry. They didn't stop the run very well either. You know, I mean, Camaro did whatever he wanted to against them. I think I I I think stopping the not stopping the run was a little bit surprising. But we talked last week about you know one of the reasons we thought that the Saints were going to be of the three games that we know Fitzpatrick is definitely going to start that this was going to be the hardest one to win for several reasons, on the road, Drew Brees, et cetera. All that, but yeah. part of it is Drew Brees gets the ball out so quickly that all that pass rushing that you acquired in the offseason and revamped your defensive line wasn't going to have a lot of ch- a time to get to Drew Brees. And we said it was going to, you know, one of the, 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 the weaknesses on the defense is still the secondary, and especially when mm-hmm. you're missing Brent Grimes, your best corner. Right, right. You know, so everything was going against the defense going into the day. Based on based on you know what we thought would happen, how Drew Brees plays, they did. They only got one sack from Vinnie Curry, uh, but mm-hmm. but the defense was also opportunistic. I mean, they did force oh, two they, turnovers, they the, and one was yeah. they, they they scored. The defense scored a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times in the NFL, it's not the yards you give up; 
It's, no. it's, it's being the opportunistic and taking advantage when you can. Um, and yeah. they, they did today. And, you know, <clears throat> you look in the second half, you know, they came out in the third quarter and they, they played very well at the first couple of possessions in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Once you get Drew Brees in a hurry up and, okay, we've got to push it because, you know, it's the only way we're going to catch up now, that's hard mm-hmm. to stop no matter what, even good defenses. When you get the Aaron Rodgers and, and look at him on Sunday night, what he did. Right, right. Um, or Tom Brady's and Drew Brees's, the experienced quarterbacks that know how to take advantage of tempo and time and time and rhythm and, yeah. and, and rhythm and the pressure of the moment and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's tough for a defense to stop. I mean, to be honest, I mean, the Bucs were up 48 24. Mm-hmm. You know, either late in the third or early fourth quarter. Yeah, they gave up some late scores. And yeah. I, I get all that. I mean, it, it, and I'm sure they'll look at the film and say it wasn't quite as bad as we thought. But right. 40 is 40. Well, no, it, it, look, um, it wasn't a it wasn't a good performance. This isn't one they're putting on the wall, going, "Man, that was awesome." No, no, absolutely not. But but it also doesn't mean, to your point, that this is what they are. You know what I mean? Like we had said, and you you know you just mentioned that we had said that it's going to be hard to get to Breeze anyway. And it was the defensive line that you didn't really notice that much. Look, I got to find out what happened to Jason Pierre-Paul because he started the game but didn't play many snaps. You know, I mean, they 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 rotated a lot of guys in there, um, but Paul seemed to me at least to to not be getting his fair share. Um, so we'll we'll figure that out as as the week goes along. Um, but you know, again, young corners, uh, really good offense. Kamara's hard to tackle. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things. But to your point, I mean, the forced fumble might have been the biggest play in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Bucks needed separation right there, and they were giving up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some yards, but credit Vernon Hargraves, uh, you know, for getting the ball out of Mike Gillisley's hand, and then Ryan Smith scoops it up and scores a touchdown. And you can look it up. Most teams that score a defensive touchdown win about 90-something percent of the time. And, and that was such a huge separator, you know, to have 31 points in the first half. Uh, and I said at halftime, somebody was like, well, how many points do you think? I said, I think it's going to take 48. And it damn near took – well, it took all of, you know, just about 48 uh, for them to get out of there with a win. So, again, stunning, stunning win. Uh, you don't have much time to think about it in the NFL because, you know, they're on to Philadelphia. And the defending champs. You, defending champs the, who had a few yeah. extra days of rest since their first game too. They, they'll have 10 days of rest before they come here. And, the, you know, they're a good football team. I mean, Nick Foles struggled on offense. Uh, you know, they, they had a little trouble running the ball consistently. They had a receiver that's out. Um, and so, you know, they're not whole. And they're, they're a beatable team. But their defense, their defense is elite. I mean, I'm telling you, those guys are elite. They're not giving up many points this year if they stay healthy and stay together. So the Bucs, I don't anticipate them coming anything close to doing what they did against the Saints, who turned out to not be a very good defense or have a very good day. Um, but I will maintain this. I thought of the three games, and I don't know, they could lose the next two, but of the three games, I really believe that this Saints game was the toughest for all the reasons we've talked about ad nauseum here. 
And that is a huge, huge confidence booster. And, and you talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and when you're hitting plays like that, every time a guy makes a big play, you got four other guys that want the ball. They want the ball. Let me make a big play. I want to make a big play too. And Fitzpatrick was smart enough to spread it around. You know, he threw to nine different receivers, seven different people actually caught passes. So he knows what he's doing. I mean, you know, you're in the league 14 years. Um, but it was just neat to see. And he's going to be profiled. Um, you know, Peter King, uh, who used to do his Monday morning quarterback thing on SI, now does something for, um, what is it, NBC.com. NBC, yep, yep. And it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially the same column. You know, it's in the morning. It's called something else. Um, but he uh, teased to it on the Sunday night football game uh, that he had a, a very emotional interview with a journeyman quarterback who just had his best game of his career. Has to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. It wasn't Nathan right? Peterman. <laughs> Oof. Woof. What <laughs> happened there? Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, he had, uh, what did I see? Uh, in, not to get off the Buck subject, but at halftime of the game in, in Buffalo, and they were down like 40 to nothing or something. Uh, yeah. The five interception yeah, game yards. last year, he had like a quarterback rating of like 20. And yeah. in the first half today, he had a quarterback rating of like eight. Goodness gracious. <laughs> And, you know, there's Tyrod Teller in Cleveland, and they should have won that game, by the way. They ended up tying the Steelers, which, again, the Steelers come here Monday night. The Steelers are always vulnerable early in the year. They mm -hmm. just always are. And they don't have Le'Veon Bell. And it was a sloppy day. It wasn't a good day to throw the ball. Um, you know, in Cleveland, I get all that. And, you know, the Browns absolutely should have won that game. They get out of there with a tie. Um, it's a tie, but, yeah. but it's still their best start, I think, since 2004. Yeah, well, they're not going to lose them all. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if they can tie them all, but they're not going to lose them all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good for the Browns. So, yeah, the next, you know, the next two two games are going to be highly entertaining, I think. And and you know, if I'm a Bucks fan and, and just saw this game, I think I might want to see the season opener because I think Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, might have more of that in him, but. You know, the the main thing is consistency, and that's usually what separates starters from backups. And so mm -hmm. as good a game as it is, Fitzpatrick realized that, you know, you're only as good as your last game, and he could go out there and struggle next week. But you remember in the offseason, and you sat down with general manager Jason Light, mm -hmm. and he talked about last season and cringing at the expectations. And, and it wasn't really, it wasn't really the expectation of doing well, but everyone thought they could score 50 points a game because of the, the offensive talent that they had amassed. Right, right. And now they, they add even more this year as Chris Godwin becomes more experienced, mm -hmm. and you're hoping Ronald Jones, who was a healthy scratch today, inactive, or, yeah. you know, inactive mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, will start to develop and, and gain more confidence and trust of the coaches and that. But you start looking at the offensive weapons and see that they can put up a lot of points, that, that this is a, uh, you know, Top to bottom, it's hard to think of too many offenses that have more weapons. I'm not sure there are, and if you, you know, maybe some you know, have better running games. I mean, you have Peyton sure, Barber oh, yeah. and really not much else on the, uh, you know, as far as a, a really stout running game at this point. But yeah. you know, when you're slinging the ball around, tell me a team that's got more weapons. I would match up the duo of, or actually trio, maybe of Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, and Chris Godwin with any team in the league. And, and and could compete with them. And Cameron you know. Brayton and O.J. Howard are pretty good at tight end, too. And and they're phenomenal. Yeah, O.J. made some nice plays out there. Um, Bray had one called back, but I think their tight ends are great. And, and you know, they they do. And if you're going to protect like that, you know, protection always beats coverage, always. If, if a quarterback at this level can stand there and pat the ball, he's going to chew you up. 
and that's exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick did. You know, he's a, he's a professional quarterback, 120 starts now. Uh, he knows what he's doing out there, and and he made it he made it look easy, and he had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. Uh, and so he he said, I can't wait to get get home and and uh, you know and play with the kids because he beat the crap out of the kids at the Superdome on Sunday. So big win for the Bucks. They're one and zero. They uh, of course host the World Champions on Sunday at one o'clock at Raymond James, and then follow that by the Monday night game. Hey, do you wonder what Jameis was thinking tonight? That's a good question. Well, what went through his head? I mean, on the one level, I'm sure he's really excited for all his teammates because that's who he is first and foremost. He's a he's a buccaneer. He's a good teammate. He, he, you know, he wants them to win. But there had to be a part of him that it's, it's probably it, part of him is probably saying, "I could have thrown six, well, sure, <laughs> you know, or, oh, seven, absolutely. or seven. I mean, that would be your first thought. The second part of him is probably thinking, "So I'm not the whole franchise." Well, I mean, if it's if it's Patrick has two more games. And maybe oh, not starting against not Chicago. as much stats like this, but just playing well and, and the offense is doing well and, and and you're either winning or very competitive. You know who starts in Chicago? Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts. And I look, you always play the best guy, and and there's no question at this level, in this stage of their careers, Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick because Fitz would be starting even at 35 if he could be as consistent as Drew Brees, say, who's mm-hmm. you know. 40 years old um but still you if you have a hot hand like that if Fitzpatrick if today was the Monday night game if Fitzpatrick went out there and threw four touchdowns and ran for another one by God he's gonna start at Chicago you know and then you have the bye week to decide what to do with Jameis in between by the way did you hear Um, this stat about Fitzpatrick he's one of only two quarterbacks in NFL history to pass for at least 400 yards four touchdowns no interceptions and rush for a touchdown in a single game that's incredible. Only one other quarterback has done that, Mark Rippon, for Mark the Redskins Rippen, in 1991 against Atlanta. Yeah, won a Super Bowl with the Redskins, one of three Joe Gibbs' uh, quarterbacks to do that. So, um, well, that's it. look, there's not been a better day as a Buck starter on opening day since Steve DeBerg threw five touchdown passes against Atlanta uh, to start off the 1997 season. Um no, not 97, I'm sorry, uh, 1987 with Ray Perkins uh, as the head coach. So that's how long it's been that anyone's even come close to having a game like this on opening day for the Bucks, uh, or or just passing game like this, period. I mean, I think the last one to do it uh, was probably Brad Johnson in 2002. Um, so it was a great day. If you're a Bucks fan, man, you got to be excited. And, of course, uh, we'll talk about them all week. Tom Jones was up there with me as well. I'll be at Dirk's uh, news conference later today, and so we'll see uh, just what the health of the team. Some injury concerns for sure, Deshaun Jackson being one. We don't know what's going to happen ultimately uh, with Brent Grimes. And Vernon Hargraves was had his arm in a sling after the game. He went out uh, and did not come back. I thought it was a risk that maybe he jammed, and just watching them put this sling on him, he didn't want it, but, you know, it's like, no, you're going to wear this thing. Uh, but he seemed to be feeling pretty much better. But we'll see. You know, they got to get in there and talk to doctors and get MRIs and all those kinds of things. But um, you know, overall, uh, there could be one or two more players that got that got nicked up, but they came out of it okay. And, and like I said, the concussion thing will run its course with Deshaun Jackson. He'll go into protocol, and it's just a matter of how quickly he responds through that. But the bigger issue, I think, is his shoulder, and I'm sure he'll have an MRI on that this morning. And we'll let you know, and you can follow us on TampaBay.com 
to get that information. All right, let's talk a little college football, man. What impressed you? Uh, I think. How about USF? How about USF? Down late. I think, yeah, they were impressive. Against a Power 5 school Mm -hmm. uh, who ran up 700 yards of offense or close to against them. Yep. But, I mean, they come back and win, not not only win, but win by double digits. Win by 11 points. Uh, Just another Mm -hmm. Power 5 school to go down to USF in their history. (laughs) the, The list is amazing. Yeah, it is. There's a couple. I mean, this is a middling Power 5 school. I mean, you know, Georgia Tech doesn't win the ACC every year, but they're they're pretty productive. And, of course, they run that, you know, the triple option or whatever the hell it is, that, that option mm-hmm. offense that they run. Um, but, um, you know, they had to battle in this game. And I like their young – I like their quarterback. You know, I think he's, I think he's poised. I think he's going to be good. So, you know, credit Charlie Strong, you know, for getting that done. That's that's a big win for that program and one that, um, you know, will will grab the attention of other Power Five conferences that might want to expand one day. You never know. Um, so that's that was a really really big win. And then the really really big loss, and I can't be more disappointed, was Dan Mullen in the University of Florida going down to Kentucky. Goodness gracious! First time since 1986, mm. Kentucky beats Florida. Not very good for Dan Mullen. And, and, you know, the other one that was surprising, too, was Florida State barely oh, gets by Sam. God. They had a long-rain delay there. And, and, but, yeah, they, I mean, they were down to Samford most of that game. Yeah, Samford, by That's the way. I said people, like, like, Yeah, I know. I'm just emphasizing Samford. Like, yeah, not Stanford. Sam, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, not Stanford. Stanford beat USC and looked really good doing so. Right. They're the legit – power five team this is Samford like Samford and Sons you know like like uh, um, not that team so that would have been the upset of the century and you know I think uh, had he lost that game there might have been a conversation with Mr. Taggart <laughs> at 0-2 losing to yeah. Samford um, and you know, so, who, you know who's a former quarterback at Samford by the way Mm-mm. Jimbo Fisher Oh, really? Yeah, he was a quarterback. Hey, Jimbo, there Jimbo had him a weekend too. They they should have taken down Ooh, Clemson. Yeah, they should have. They should have twenty-eight twenty-six, but they should have won that football game. Yeah, he was not. But happy they look very. But yeah, they I mean, look very very good. I yes. thought overall. Yes, no, no. Kudos to uh, Jimbo and Texas A and M. That was a that was a good game. Lived up to the hype there. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I and, mean, and, and what what about Arkansas State? Oh, I knew you were going to go there. I, you just had to go. Look, we avoided the shutout. The Red Wolves, yeah. Wolves up. They they managed to keep the bagel off the board. Yeah. Um, so they get their they get their touchdown. And, and Nick Saban didn't have to apologize to any reporters. No, and he played all his quarterbacks. I mean, you know, it was good. It was good little scrimmage for him. Um, but yeah, we're going to take our money and go home and build a weight room or something. I don't know <laughs> what we'll do with it, but um i wasn't that thrilled with my arc start they had some chances you know they had some big plays they let get away from them early and then the game just kind of got out of hand but isn't that funny how that showed now just for example and we talk about this with usf all the time non non-power conference like the arkansas state's a division one program and they've gotten you know in their own little pond i mean they're picked to win their division and their conference um and so it just goes to show you what a huge disparity there can be sometimes between the number one team in the country and everybody else, no matter how good you think you are, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get blasted by 50, uh, you know, let you know that there is a huge disparity between programs. So, 
Um, that was interesting, but it was a good it was a good weekend of, of college football. My boy Herm Edwards won, upset Michigan he did. State. He you did. Yeah, Michigan that. State had lots of mental errors down the stretch, and mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, big win for Herm there, and uh, Sparty goes down. I told my team, you gotta be humble, you gotta be humble and hungry. Herm is all fired up. Herm looks old a little bit on the sideline, man. <laughs> he looks like he hadn't done it for a while. He hasn't, <laughs> but but I know been like 10 years but that's a big win you know what give him credit i mean a lot of people thought oh this guy geez he's he's way you know he's way past his prime yeah. like what how could he possibly prepare a team to win well you can see the discipline you can see some of his traits rubbing off of him but going back to florida and florida state i mean i know you know we've had this mailbag question a couple times leading up to the mm-hmm. season of who's going to win more games this year yeah with dan mullen and and, and uh, willie taggart and i said florida this year i think didn't I? Or did yeah, I say Florida? Yeah, I, I, think, I think I said Florida. Yeah, I think we both said Florida this year. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, and you look at Florida, Georgia just, you know, destroyed South Carolina in the SEC East. And I don't think anyone that, in the SEC that East was supposed to be That was supposed to be a close game, mm-hmm. according to some of our SEC insiders. Yes. Yeah, they but, just destroyed uh, South Carolina. I don't, and there's nobody in the East that can touch Georgia. No, no. Georgia's elite. They are. They're still elite, and they're they're probably going to go for sure. But uh, yeah, Dan Mullen losing all the goodwill that he built up after Week One. Uh, but college football was cool. It's back, and the USF game was to me the most exciting. We were we were having lunch uh, off Canal Street somewhere, or Bourbon, or somewhere down there at the old Bourbon Seafood place, and watching USF play. It was a good college football weekend from that standpoint, and um, had a lot of fun watching games all the way. You know almost past midnight Eastern when we watched uh, Arizona State, you know, take down uh, – or Arizona State take down Michigan State, which was really cool. And let me say this about the Tampa Bay Rays, Steve. I told you they're not going to lose again. What I me- failed to mention is neither are the Oakland A's. Yeah. So, gracious. Yeah, yeah, the Rays uh, get their 11th straight win at Tropicana Field. That ties a franchise wow. record. Wow. They sweep the Orioles, who, by the way, are a really bad baseball team. They are a bad team. I know, I know the, the Rays 100. were only 8-8 eight and eight against the Orioles going into this series, but – the Orioles this series showed mental mistake after mental mistake of why they're uh, 61 games below 500 at this point. Agreed, agreed. They're, they've lost over 100 already. Yes, they're 41, 41 and 102. Goodness, that's a bad year. Yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they may, be, they may finish 70 games below 500. Ugh. But, but yeah, you that, know what? They Credit the Rays, they did exactly what you're supposed to do to those teams. And the thing yep. that's amazing about them is – the run production, the, the offense, how they just keep tacking on these big innings. Well, Friday night, they score 14 runs, most of them by home runs. It was only the last two or three yeah. runs that weren't by home runs. Then Including Saturday, they come slam. back. Yeah, Saturday, they come back and score 10 without a home run. Wow. It's, it's doing it different ways. And, mm-hmm. and, and not only that, they were jumping on Baltimore early in every game, which is what you like to see is, you know, Absolutely. you got a bad team, jump on them early, take Absolutely. control of the game. And go from there. You know, I mean, for instance, on Sunday, Baltimore. Just to show you, this the mental mistake. So, Ryan Stanek's the opener. Mm-hmm. First pitch is a foul tip. Then he four straight balls, so uh, Mullins is on first base. Mm-hmm. It's two and one count now to, I don't remember who the second hitter was, uh, Joey Rickard. Two and one count. So, he's now thrown, what, 11 pitches, two strikes. Wow. Or something like that. Nine pitches, two whatever it is. Nine pitches, mm-hmm. two strikes. And Mullins tries to steal. Gets thrown out. 
That's stupid. Meanwhile, Stanek walks Rickard, walks the next guy. So he walked three batters, the first three batters, but they only have two on because he got thrown out. Got bases loaded, nobody out. Then they bring Chirinos in, and and he shuts them down, and they don't score. And then the Rays go in the bottom of the first and score several runs and took control of the game. And it's those mental mistakes that you could see Baltimore was making all series long. That you, You just go, that's a bad team. Well, they are a bad team, and, and but a couple of good teams are coming to the trop, and this is going to be an interesting weekend, uh, an interesting week, and then a really followed by a great weekend potentially. And I would, I'm wondering if there'll be some good crowds because you know, even though the A's won't lose, it's still mathematically a pennant race. You got the Cleveland Indians coming in here, uh, and then the A's, and so they can pick up the three games from them. So I would hope that people, you know, watching how this team is playing, is getting a little juiced about it. Um, and, you know, I credit the Rays, man. They've done a, a heck of a job given the start that they had and all the changing pieces. But they feel – that's what confidence looks like. Confidence looks like the way the Rays are playing right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when teams get hot and, and every team has a pretty good winning streak at some point or other, but that's a young team that now knows that not only can they compete, but they can dominate pretty much anybody on any given night. And so – they're going out and doing it, man, and it's it's fun to watch. Well, and they're winning they're winning different ways. Like I said, you know, Friday night was the home run. Saturday was everything mm-hmm. but a home run. Um, the pitching's been very good. Uh, it's different players every night that's winning it. Uh, you know, it's it's look. This is all about you know if they catch Oakland, awesome, fantastic playoff. Then you sure. never know what can happen. But really, this is about building to next year and the year after. It's, it's ultimately well, I, what you're trying to do in winning games and winning close games and. And beating the teams you're supposed to beat, and you know, learning how to perform these, and, and winning a series at Boston, winning a series at New York, um, you know, sweeping series here at home against you know good teams, and you know the home stands they're having, and, and you know, their home record now is uh, what is it, forty four and twenty? They're twenty games above five hundred at home. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they're going to win ninety plus games, and if you, I mean, in some divisions that might lead or be very close to the lead. Uh, they're se- so they're seventy eight and sixty four. Right. That would be tied for the first in the National League West with Colorado. Mm. It'd be a half wow. game behind Atlanta in the National League East. Really? Wow. Um, you know, Cleveland, they're only two and a half games back, and they're yeah, leading see, the Central. It's just a weird year, man, where, you know, the Red Sox jumped out so far and the Yankees after that. and um, You know, but but you could not really expect much more of Kevin Cash's team. This has been a fun year. And I hope that uh, people will go out and watch them play the Indians and then certainly on the weekend. If they're still hanging in there and the A's haven't lost and doesn't look like they're going to, but if they can you know, get, get closer between now and then, uh, that would be really special to have a series like that against the A's. So we're going to talk a lot about the Rays uh, this week. we got Tom Jones coming up um, to talk uh, as well about the Bucks and USF and Florida and all the college football and the Rays as, as well. We'll probably do that, I would think, on Tuesday. Uh, or Wednesday, probably on Wednesday's podcast, I would imagine. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the Bucks are going to have Dirk, conference, or Dirk Cutter's press conference later today. We'll find out the health of some of their players, including Deshaun Jackson. And we'll look ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles. The world champions are coming to town. And so that's going to be a special game uh, as well. Season opener, I would think a lot of Bucks fans pretty excited about what they saw on Sunday, and so they should have a, a decent crowd. Yep, and they're, they're in, uh, the Panthers are tied atop the division as both Atlanta mm-hmm. and, and, of course, New Orleans, who the Buccaneers beat, loses. So um, right. the Panthers beat the Cowboys 16-8 to on Sunday. 
Yeah. Cowboys, I'm telling you, the Panthers' defense is for real now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I, I've been saying that. Their defense is for real. They didn't score a lot of points, though. Um, but, you know, they get the win over the Cowboys, and, and uh, so that was big. And, yeah, it's going to be, you know, again, one win looks great. Uh, no one saw it coming. It, it can give you a huge boost. But as I talked to Dirk Cutter after the game, he goes, yeah, I got a couple hours to enjoy it, and then we got a whole new set of problems. Mm-hmm. And one of those problems might be injuries. Well, but and if you're a Bucks fan, I mean, remember what, what you've been saying for a long time now. Your backup quarterback comes in, he's going to start three games. You hope to win mm-hmm. one. Yep. And if you yep. win more than that, it's gravy and icing on the cake. Well, they've won the one, and they've got two more to go. That's a great position to be in. That's right. No, it's fantastic for them. And, uh, you know, uh, now at this point, because they won that game, I think it, it would seem disappointing if they don't go at least 2-1, and one, you know. And if you go 2-1 and, and and you want to turn it back to Jameis, if, if in fact that's what they do, um, you know, then everything is right in front of you. You're not going to be out of the division at 2-1. and one. So – Great opportunity for them, but they got to keep it going. And, and the test of really good teams is those that can repeat it week after week. Mm-hmm. Every team in the NFL is going to have a game, not maybe not score 48 points, but similar mm-hmm. to what the Bucks played on Sunday. Every team is going to have one of those games where they're just on fire, they're mm-hmm. hot, they're whatever. Um, but look, but even even at one and two, even at one and two, you're not out of this division. So even if no. you don't play well the next two games or don't play you're still as good. Well, I mean, at worst yeah. case, you're two games behind Carolina. You could only be one mm-hmm. game behind Atlanta and New Orleans in the division. Right. And you've got right. and you've already beat a, and the other part about beating New Orleans is you beat a division foe on the road. On the road. That's house money. It's double. It's house money because it's on the road. You got them at home. You still will have two with Atlanta. You still have two with Carolina. So. No matter what happens, you're right. The division is there. They got they got one. Um, I tend to think they're going to get at least two, and they may get three. And the questions are already being asked: What happens if they're three and zero? There's not no debating there in my mind. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's the quarterback at Chicago, especially with can, the short week there coming off the Monday night right, or short week absolutely. going to Chicago, and a bye week afterwards. Yeah, where, you yeah. Know, at that point, you could make a change or figure out what you want to do. Yeah, and give Jameis more reps with his players because he would have been away for almost a month, and so he'd have that bye week to uh, to get to groove his timing and everything back. So um, that's going to be really something something to watch. Hey, we're glad that you guys listen to our podcast. We're here every Monday through Friday, and uh, you can always interact with us. You can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or email me at rstroud at Tampa Bay. And, hey, don't forget the fantastic offer from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. Remember, they're going to help your jewelry selection experience be unforgettable. Uh, If you go there and tell them that you found out this offer um, with Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay, Continental Wholesale Diamonds is going to send you and a special person to the Caribbean for a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two with any minimum purchase of $2,000. You also get to choose the cruise line and the destination to the Caribbean. So remember to call Andy at 813-282-7375 and tell them that Rick and Steve sent you. Continental Wholesale Diamonds, you know that's where I shop. So my thanks for Steve Versnick. Uh, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great Monday, everybody. Victory Monday for Bucks fans. <laughs>